It's Monday, April 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Happy Patriots Day. Happy Marathon. Here, here. Here, here. Happy Marathon Monday to all our friends up in the greater Boston area who are slogging their way through that race. (laughs) 26.2 miles. Have you ever run a marathon? Abject misery. I've never run a marathon, although that is my. New Year's resolution, so I am really? signed up oh, to run the Marine Corps Marathon in October. So you're already booked. I'm you're booked. Pot committed. I'm committed. We'll see if that. We'll see how that works <laughs> we'll out. We'll see if your bib gets auctioned <laughs> off on Slack yes. in a couple months. Some of us make resolutions. Resolutions to drink less Diet Coke and more water. Others make resolutions to <laughs> run go. long distances. Uh, earnings Palooza kicks into high gear this week. We've got the latest from Pepsi. We've got uh, it's not earnings news, but we've definitely got some news from Amazon. But let's start with Hasbro's first quarter profits up eighty three percent. Holy toys, Batman! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> A really good quarter for the toy maker. Although, Jason, I'm curious because the first line of a story I saw, and I'm assuming this is coming from the company itself, it said that this quarter. The profits were, quote, boosted by strong growth in the company's Nerf and Play-Doh units. Among other things. <laughs> I'm just saying that's yeah. what they're saying, and sure. this is a diverse toy maker. But did Star Wars toys play no role in this quarter? Marvel, Disney Princess, they got a lot of things going on. It was really the Nerf and Play-Doh groups? I no, like those it wasn't. Toys. And that's why you don't rely on the headlines. You go and look at the company filings and actually try to figure out where the numbers really Stand out, and you know we've said for um, I guess the better part of a year here, really, that Mattel losing that deal, uh, the the Disney Princess and Frozen deal, and Hasbro gaining it was going to be a big deal. And this quarter, I think, is really the proof that, that that's worked out pretty well for Hasbro because that's where a lot of this money really did come from. Star Wars, uh, Frozen, the Disney Princesses, all really contributed. Um, to this, and we saw a lot of we saw generous growth in, in, in operating profit because they were really able to leverage a lot of the expenses that go into uh, properties like these. And, and when you're able to grow sales at a rapid clip like that, and, and, and spread those those expenses out, um, you can really become more profitable really easily. And, th- and that's what we saw here with Hasbro. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting. I believe Mattel's earnings are out a little bit later this week. I think we're going to see a tale of two toy makers really here, where you've got Hasbro being far more focused on the growth and the opportunity and and this sort of bright future that they have got to be feeling really good about right now, and the other in Mattel that's that's really focused on trying to shore up its operations and figure out actually the path going forward. I mean, I have to believe at some point somewhere. There's a Mattel executive, either punching a wall or kicking a <laughs> desk and just saying, "Damn it, what could have been?" You know, because that was a really big deal. That that Frozen Disney Princess stuff is is gonna be paying off, I think, for the for the coming quarters for Hasbro. And I think this is just the first the first sign of of what will probably be a number of good quarters to come. The stock is hitting an all time high today. My girls are really excited about that. They're Hasbro shareholders. <laughs> so, kudos to the shareholders, including your daughters. Uh, for someone who is looking at this stock, though, how pricey is it today? 
Well, I mean, I, I go. I gotta believe it's not cheap. No, this is, this is nothing that just happened in the last twenty four hours. This has been a pretty steady rise for a while. It and it's it's not one that I put at the top of my list with today's valuation. If you look at the, just the the the, the earnings multiple of, of around twenty five times trailing earnings, the company's not really, I don't think, sustainably growing earnings at that rapid a clip. And, and with a market that is somewhat inflated. Uh, or at least we can make that argument. I don't know that I would have this stock at the top of my list today. Um, this is one I think that you want to probably pay more attention to in in bad times because it's a relatively. I mean, it's a well-led company. I think it works basically sort of in a duopoly with Mattel and Hasbro. We do see times where where Hasbro sort of falls short and Mattel profits from that. Um, and, and so I wouldn't be surprised at some point to see something like that play out again. Um, and it's worth noting too; these toy makers are very beholden. I think today more so than ever, they're beholden to uh, the the successful movie franchises like Star Wars and Frozen and everything else that, that Disney churns out. Because pretty much everything Disney t- touches today does turn actual gold. Um, and so you have to sort of pay attention beyond just. Hasbro and Mattel to what's going on in that sort of overall entertainment market, and again, they're benefiting obviously from this deal with Disney, uh, Frozen. Obviously, Star Wars is going to pay off for, for many years to come. Mattel's going to get their their share of that. Their their time will come as well. So I, I think this is a good one to keep an eye on. But I, I would rather buy it when the sentiment is is a bit on the weaker side. Pepsi's first quarter profit came in higher than expected, but for the sixth quarter in a row, overall sales down. It really seems, Taylor, like there are a few challenges that Pepsi is facing, and one of them is almost completely out of their control in the strong dollar. Yeah, that's one of the things that they talked about, uh, several percentage points off of earnings because of that. Um, Venezuela as well, they kind of deconsolidated that from earnings. So, I was surprised to see Venezuela account for two percent of their earnings. So that's immediately um, off the bottom line right there, just because they're having a tough time, you know, collecting sales from Venezuela. So um, that was a surprise to me. Another surprise is that forty-six percent of their sales came from some their their healthier line of things. I guess they're kind of calling it their good for you um, segment. Um, These are the Frito Lay snacks that are healthy for me. Yeah, apparently they're calling it good for you. They're just lower fat. They have the gluten-free oatmeal, and they have, I guess, they're packaging sodas and juices in smaller portion sizes now. So the actual contents aren't any healthier. They're just giving you less, so you're not consuming as much unless you go out and just crack open the entire six pack. Um, <laughs> I do like that, by yeah, the way. Sure. I mean, I, I I do genuinely like the smaller cans. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Twelve ounces. I mean, you know, you can you can do. You can get by without drinking an entire 12 ounce or a 16 ounce bottle or whatever of soda. Um, you still get the flavor, um, but you know, like you said, six quarters in a row, um, sales and earnings are down. Um, surprisingly, you know, earnings down 24 percent year over year. So not just a small slide, but like Mattel, you talked about mainly focusing on operations. That's what Pepsi seems to be doing too. Uh, margins were up slightly, um, but they are spending more on marketing around the world. Well, and just as you indicated, Jason, with Hasbro reporting today, we're going to get Mattel later in the week. Pepsi today, we're going to get Coca-Cola later in the week. Mm-hmm. And it does seem like, in in the case of, of Pepsi and Coca-Cola, the operational side of things is so important. And, and you can say that about any business, but I think that 
as we have seen soda consumption in particular decline year over year for more than a decade now mm-hmm. in North America, it does seem like the more efficiencies they can create on the operational side, the brighter their future is. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. And, and I mean, the one thing I, you have to love with Coca-Cola with PepsiCo is is their distribution models. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's what I think you have to look sort of beyond soda. And we understand that soda is facing its own challenges. But these are businesses that are not just soda, right? Yeah, because North American beverage sales were up for the quarter yeah. year over year. I so. mean, you got Gatorade, Powerade, yeah. juices, water, all sorts of stuff, and they're going to continue to figure out ways to to build out their portfolios and and, and be be able to sort of offset the weakness in soda with strengths in other classes. And and then when you when you have these businesses that already have these global distribution models, that that's just a lot easier said than done, right? I mean that that's just not an easy thing to accomplish. It takes time, it takes money, it takes financial resources. And the PepsiCo, Coca Cola, two very big companies, good businesses in their own right. I mean they're not going to grow um, as fast as perhaps something like a Starbucks. Um, but but yeah, I mean I th- I think to just sit there and look at them as soda companies. Is probably not really giving them their full credit, especially with Pepsi, because I don't think Coke has nearly the the food side of the business that. Pepsi and everybody does. loves the salty snack. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting if you think back. Um, so th- th- this is Millennium Week here on Market Fuller. <laughs> we are counting down to our one thousandth episode. Hey, there you go. And when I think back to when we started doing this in twenty eleven, uh, one of the business stories. Back then, related to Pepsi, and continued for a couple of years, was this argument that Pepsi is going to be much better off as a business if they get rid of the food, spin off Frito Lay, spin off the snacks, just focus on the beverages. They got pounded with that for a while, and obviously that, yeah. this is an evolving story. But at least for right now, they look like they're in a stronger position because they've got that diversified product line. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, you know, like you said, everybody loves a salty snack, <laughs> and it goes well with the soda or a juice. So, um, complimentary not only um, in the kitchen but also for the the income statement here at PepsiCo. Amazon reports earnings later in the month, but last night the company announced it will begin offering its video streaming service on a monthly basis for eight dollars and ninety nine cents, and. Some in the media, uh, and by some I mean, well, some, but I'm just going to call out the New York Times. And I have nothing against the New York Times, but I think that this is a misguided headline uh, from the New York Times, which is Amazon challenges Netflix by opening Prime to monthly subscribers. <laughs> and I understand, Jason, why that would be the knee jerk reaction that sure. they're offering Amazon Prime Video on a monthly basis, nine bucks a month. They're going right at Netflix. I'm not a Netflix shareholder, but I, I wouldn't be worried if I were. No, and I'm not a Netflix shareholder either, and I too, if I if I were a Netflix shareholder, I wouldn't I wouldn't be worried at all. And and this this is where again it behooves you to look past the headlines and and look at the actual facts of the matter. This this standalone streaming product, it has not it's not about competing with Netflix. No, they, I mean, it already existing. Yeah, that's yeah. something that'll be there. That's a dynamic that that's going to exist no matter what. This is more about showing Amazon. Potential Amazon customers the real value proposition um, behind their Prime relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, for example, 
So you could be an Amazon Prime member for $99 a year, and that's going to give you the streaming, it's going to give you access to Kindle Library, it's going to give you two-day shipping, and all these other little things they give you. Or, if you wanted to just pay the, what, $9 a month for the video streaming, you could pay about $108 a year just to have the video streaming. So, this all goes back to a quote that Jeff Bezos wrote in this most recent letter to shareholders. And I encourage everyone out there, uh, Google Amazon Investor Relations, go to that site, click the PDF link, and read this shareholder letter, because this really is a testament to not only how he views this business, but why this business is so successful. And further, why I think we can be so so successful as business focused yeah, investors. This is an especially great note. Yeah, this and, and this yeah. this quote right here says it all. I quote: "We want Prime to be such a good value, you'd be irresponsible not to be a member." End quote. And and that's exactly what this is all about. He's making the point that sure, you could buy the standalone video service. You're going to pay more than if you just bought Prime, and mm-hmm. Prime's going to give you video and everything else. And and this just exploits that. To me, this is this is a this is a plus for Netflix. I think this is really just a testament to the benefits of that over the top model and the fact that you can get your content more ways now than ever before. And so Netflix did a really good job of building out their original content, sort of in in sort of the same way HBO's done over over the past few decades. Amazon has really done a great job in building out a library of its own original content as well. And and I think that that's what this all really boils down to, is unique properties that are going to give you uh, things that you can't get anywhere else. And and Netflix is is obviously proving some success with it. Amazon is proving some success with it. But, But this is all about just really showing you what the value of the Prime membership is. As I'm not a Netflix shareholder either, but I might be worried longer term um, because they're selling it for eight eighty or eight ninety nine a month, um, and they could probably go lower than that because it isn't their entire business model like right. Netflix is. So I could see Amazon as it maybe gets stronger with its own branded content, its own custom content, or maybe they sign some more deals with uh, television networks or movie producers. Um, to get earlier access or exclusive access to some hot names, um, I I might be worried long term. At least from like a U.S. perspective, maybe not a global perspective for um, for Netflix. But um, if Amazon decides to get in a price war, which they're no stranger to do, um, I, I think that maybe there's a potential there to eat away a little bit. Possibly, but I I think that they chose this price point very carefully because to to what you were saying, Jason, they. I think they chose this price point not with Netflix in mind. No, no, yeah, I agree. but with Prime yeah. in mind. So yeah. I don't think they want. So you're right. Jeff Bezos will cut prices any chance he gets. But this is one of those situations where I don't think he wants to cut it to the point where it's if, cheaper. Than, it's yeah. cheaper than Prime. Yeah. He wants yeah. it, he wants people to do that math and just go, oh well, I can you know because they also announced uh, a second plan. For eleven dollars a month, mm-hmm. which is basically just... a monthly version of Amazon Prime, right. so it's the two-day shipping, it's the video, it's everything. But of course, you run the numbers out, and it's like, wow, that's even more expensive. I can than imagine nine dollars a year. It goes back to that key word, irresponsible. I mean, honestly, you would be irresponsible if you did either one of those a la carte mm-hmm. offerings and just didn't do the Prime relationship. And let's not forget either. I mean. Amazon wants Netflix to succeed. I mean, I know that may sound strange to say, but but Netflix just moved 
all of its business over to Amazon's cloud service. Yeah. I mean, Amazon is running Netflix, and so so Amazon benefits from the fact that Netflix is in business, and the more that Netflix does, Amazon proves to be more and more a part uh, of their business anyway. Um, this isn't about one replacing the other. I mean, Netflix is is going to be there tomorrow. Whether Amazon, I mean, Amazon could could close down its, its video operations altogether. I mean, Netflix is going to be just fine. I think if we if we look at Netflix from an investing perspective, I mean, maybe the low hanging fruit has been picked there. Uh, I mean, they've already grown their their subscriber base to a very large number. It's going to cost a lot of money to continue to build out that library. And and so investors need to understand that there is going to be debt issued. There are probably going to be more shares issued, and you have to take those kinds of things into consideration when you want to be an investor. The thing about Amazon that's really attractive, as you mentioned, Taylor, is that they make their money a number of different ways, right? I mean, they have this phenomenal e-commerce operation. Mm-hmm. They have this Prime membership that brings in a lot of money up front. They have the Amazon Web Services business, which is now proving to be uh, truly, truly uh, just a, a global phenomenon. Um, so I, I think that when you look at it from that perspective, I mean, to me, Amazon's the more attractive of the two investments, just because of the fact that there's it, it's a more dynamic business model. But but Netflix is going to be just fine. This 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 isn't going to change change their model. I don't think one iota. Kind of just reminded me of what we talked a couple weeks ago about you know we went on vacation and we took an investing topic away and mine was Vail Resorts and the pricing power that they have. It's kind of like that where. Bale wants to increase their daily lift passes to a point where you say, shucks, I might as well just buy an sure. annual pass if I'm going to ski for three or four days. Right. Whereas here, the same thing I could say here is like, hey, you know, instead of paying $10.99 a month for a few months, I could just cough up $99. It's more predictable for Amazon's cash flow, and you probably lock them in for a long term rather than just a month or two during holiday season if you want free shipping. And I mean the more people they get Alexa that that echo in their yeah. house the more you realize that uh, there's so many different things you can do via the Amazon Prime relationship and I think it just takes getting your foot in that door. What they're trying to do is just get you started just a taste, right? Mm-hmm. Just that one taste you probably aren't going to go back. And I think that's what a lot of people recognize is the math just adds up. I mean, yeah. Prime. I've said it a million times. Prime could be five hundred dollars a year, and I would still be a member because <laughs> the costs <laughs> work out, right? And I think more and more people realize that, particularly when it comes holiday time. We're going to edit out that comment. <laughs> the five hundred dollars. Just in case Bezos I don't think they went from ninety nine to five hundred. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm trying to be absurd, right? But but you know, it, it's it's the point. It, <laughs> it's a Jason phenomenal value. Uh, I, I I agree with you on the on the programming front. To a point, because I think Amazon has has demonstrated they can create original programming, and they are an option for showrunners. But I think when you look at Netflix's library, it's much larger, particularly when it comes to one-off things. And part of the reason I, I have that in mind is because uh, they're they're doing a lot of ads promoting uh, comedy special this Friday night. Uh, Pat Oswalt is one of my favorite stand-up comics. Has a, has a, a Netflix special that he's doing, and I think they're they've done a really good job of sort of owning that. Niche. Yeah, I don't disagree, and I think Netflix is one of those businesses that has such a loyal customer base. They just they they. Well, it's the same kind of thing. Like once once you do it, so in in I mean this is just one example, but in my house, it was the teenage daughter who really <laughs> pushed. Like, can we just do this? And and I just sort of sat back and observed the conversation between her. And uh, the person I'm related to by marriage, and <laughs> and it was basically well, let's just try this for one month, and it was like okay, we'll do it for one month, and I thought, 
I don't know if she realizes how smart she is, but she she just she just got locked what she in. wanted because it's like, oh, we're gonna try this for a month and then it's then it's yep. like, same then same thing in. happened with us. I mean, my my we didn't have Netflix for the longest time, and it wasn't because we didn't like it. We just didn't need it. I mean, we have FiOS, we have HBO, we have Amazon. We just have there's more TV out there than I will ever have time to watch. Uh, but once the Full House reboot came up, and my two daughters are just they they just are waiting, you know, every day. When is this coming out? It finally comes. We had to join Netflix for that alone, and from that point, it's almost like, well, yeah, you're gonna probably stick with it because it's just it's another option. It's not like it's breaking the bank, and that's the beauty of this over the top model. It's just a lot of different choices out there, and you can really uh, fulfill everything you're looking for on the content side. And it is month to month. Reasonable. Yeah, exactly. It's not a two year five exactly. commitment. That's that's a great point. A couple of things before we wrap up. Speaking of options, yet another option to listen to market foolery. And all of the Motley Fool podcast because I'm happy to say that we are now available on Spotify. So if you are a Spotify, yes, Spotify subscriber, uh, premium member, or just you access it for free, uh, Motley Fool podcast will now be on the mobile platforms in the U.S., the U.K., Germany, and Sweden. So to our listeners in Liechtenstein and Latvia and Slovakia, I'm very sorry, not yet, but. Mobile platforms uh, for Spotify in those four countries. So uh, yeah, we're and and they and I have to say they have been a an absolute joy to work with. Spotify so, that is. Spotify has been nice. fantastic to work with. Uh, I mentioned earlier um, we're we're counting down to our one thousandth episode uh, at the end of this week, um, and uh, there are a lot of thank yous, and I won't go through them all uh, today, um, but I I I do want to thank uh, the dozens of listeners. Uh, who have been with us, uh, whether you've been with us for just a few weeks or for a few years. And what better example of advanced listenership than on the other side of the glass today with our man Dan Boyd is longtime listener Shiraz Sedeno and his lovely wife Rachel. That's right. All the way Welcome. from Japan and brought, brought tribute in the form of uh, some amazing Kit Kat bars. Um, a couple I've never red bean Kit Kat. <laughs> red bean. I'm yeah. anxious to try those. I had some wasabi last um, week. A gorgeous scroll um, that that spells out the Motley Fool, and it was. I mean, I was I was my breath was taken away by the scroll, and something that I'll uh, we've had on the desk here now. This is a bottle of sake, and um, it's in a box. And uh, Shra said, "This is Habu sake," and I said, "Oh, okay, Habu Habu sake." And uh, named for the habu snake, and then you you take the <laughs> bottle out, and that's because there's a snake in the bottle of sake. And I've been assured by Shiraz that uh, you can drink this because, and I quote, "the poisonous venom has been killed by the alcohol." <laughs> he's so, not selling me on it. Um, he's not selling me, but I bet we could sell a couple of our coworkers <laughs> to have them give it a shot. So. Um, so thank you to Shiraz, uh, Absolutely. and and for everyone uh, for listening all these years, and uh, thank you guys for being here. Day Appreciate it. What day. what day does the thousandth show drop? Uh, it drops on Thursday. Thursday, okay. That's, uh, That's amazing. Thanks for being here, guys. Yep. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fool. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Swing.